Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and it's just myself today, like I said, doing solos a little bit more often, and obviously talking about the news that everyone I'm sure listening is aware of. If the title somehow broke this to you, not exactly sure what to tell you, but that news being Luke Walton was let go after 17 games in this season. The Kings lost seven of their last eight and are sitting at 6-11 before Monty McNair made the decision to move on from Luke. And yeah, let's just talk, I guess, what kind of led us to this point this season. Um, the Kings started five and four this year in those first nine games and were a tough schedule. It included Portland, Utah twice, Golden State. Phoenix. They played New Orleans twice, who ended up being worse than we expected. They played a Charlotte team that was really hot and have been pretty um, pretty deep to start this year in some ways that we unexpected. So they played good opponents, and I think a 5-4 and four record was impressive during that time, fairly undeniably. like they, they played really good opponents. People were happy with how that had gone to start the year. And like I said, I think there was good reason to be happy. And also reasonable skepticism of like, this is going to come crashing back down. I, why would you not doubt the Kings, right? It's what we saw last year, but it felt a little different. Sure enough. Yeah. Five and four. And then they play Indiana and Phoenix home games, back to backs. Both were close games. Indiana first, they missed a lot of shots. I don't think there's any issue with the Indiana game. They missed open shots, which is a theme we've heard a lot, probably used an excuse, as an excuse a little bit too much. There's nobody out there saying, like, we only lost four different games because we missed open shots. You know, I, we hear it talked about. Part of it is the team doesn't have great shooting outside of three guys that shoot the ball really well, Buddy, Halliburton, and Barnes. But the Indiana game, I do think, is kind of, just missing open shots. Like I understand placing that on that one. Um, and Indiana slowed it down, made it a half court game. We've, we've seen the half court issues on this team. They play Phoenix and the Phoenix game was the first one that like kind of started to scare people, right? It was Sacramento scored 12 points in the third quarter. Phoenix got out to a 24 or 26 point lead, but I found optimism still at that point when the Kings after losing that were five and six, because Sacramento, after falling down that much, didn't just roll over and die. Instead, they held Phoenix to 11 points in the fourth quarter. A little bit of Phoenix's backup lineups at times, but really gave themselves a chance to win a game that they were down 24 or 26 in the third quarter, and that was different to me. And then they go on a four-game road trip while they are sitting at a 5-6 and six record. And that road trip included San Antonio, OKC, Detroit and Minnesota. San Antonio made the play in last year, lost the play in game. OKC, like historically bad. They really bad. Clearly not trying to win games right now, focusing on developing the future. Detroit just got the first pick because they were not a good team. And Cade was just coming back, focused on the future. Minnesota rubbing shoulders with the Kings, but have really struggled to start the year going into that game. And obviously we all know that the Kings really underperformed in that road trip. Like I said, they went into that five and six, you come out three and one, 
you're looking at eight and seven, you're still on a really good pace. Like I think five, a 500 season, people would have been more than happy with this year. But instead, this is where it's like, okay, this is this is last year. Um, you're playing to the level of your opponent, not just to the point of like, you know, you're barely scraping by wins that you should. Like they got destroyed against San Antonio, who is a very well-coached team. I think Tristan Thompson's wording in his uh, speech that blew up a little bit was they have like eight guys that play the same position. They're not as talented as the Kings. Kings are a lot more talented than San Antonio and just got destroyed in that one. And then they come out and lose against OKC after having a 20-some point lead themselves. And that's when it's like, okay, this is this is bad, right? Beat Detroit. Sure, I guess. That's great. I'm glad they didn't blow that one. And then there's the Minnesota loss that was pretty disappointing. Um, and we heard the whole... Tristan Thompson speech after. And it was like, all right, well, things have got to change during this next home stretch. Or there was also a reporting that Walton could be on the hot seat and nothing changed. They started off hot when they came back home against Toronto. They jumped out to a 10 point lead in that first quarter. And by the end of that quarter, they were already down, ended up getting blown out by Toronto, who is not extremely talented. Talent level is on par, if not a little worse than the Kings, probably I would say, but better coached. And then they lose to Utah in the whole throw up situation. And Walton is let go of while the Kings are sitting at six and 11. So I guess that's my little mini recap of what's happened this season. And the issue is that you're rolling over and dying. And after every single game in these post game, conferences we're hearing the exact same problems we can't get offensive rebounds we're not finishing defensive possessions by getting defensive rebounds I, I misspoke at the beginning there we are giving up too many offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities this is why Chemezi Metz who started all of a sudden and Walton said we're going to give that a five game sample size see how it goes um, I asked Walton you know it's been five games after the Utah game the other night what have you made of Chemezi Metsu in the rotation and he was put out because he was put out there to help the rebounding. Um, and by the way, they got out-rebounded pretty bad against Utah with Mezzi in that starting lineup. And he complimented Chemezzi's offensive game, which I agree I've been a little bit surprised about, but you said you put him out there for the sake of rebounding, right? Like if you're looking to optimize your offense, you put Buddy Heald or Davion Mitchell in the lineup, not Chemezzi Metsu. So didn't work. I understand why Luke had to try but that didn't work. Point being, you're making changes for the emphasis on limiting opposing offensive rebounds, knowing Luke mentioned like the offensive rebounding from opposing teams got so bad that they had to sacrifice other aspects in order to clean that up. Metu was the way he tried to do that. And not only did it not help the offensive rebounding enough, it also made you struggle in other aspects. You were poor on defense. Um, and being poor on defense, when opposing teams are shooting at a high clip, the Kings are stuck playing half-court offense more often than they like. They, they're they a really bad half-court offense. And that had been the exact same issue that we had seen. So when you're not getting stops, this is where Harkless comes in. 
Harkless isn't playing when Metu does start playing. They, they swapped roles going from Metu is getting DNP CDs to all of a sudden he's in the starting lineup. And Harkless is the opposite. In the starting lineup regularly, all of a sudden back-to-back DNP CDs. Which, like I said, I get you have to try say, try something that you're well in, but that is so drastic. And where Harkless comes in, as I was saying, is that I understand he struggled on offense, but you need help defense you know, the low man weak side rim protection, Harkless might be your best guy there. And having him and Barnes on the floor, like we talk about a lack of wings and specifically perimeter wing defenders. Harkless is that guy, you know, he's guarding twos to start the game. We saw like brief stretches of him playing the five at times this year. Like his defensive versatility matters on a team that's really bad defensively still. And the way that he impacts offense He's very willing to shoot. He's got a quick trigger. It seems like that was preached a lot by Walton. If you are open, we want you shooting it. It didn't seem like it mattered early in the shot clock, later in the shot clock. Like we need spacing from these guys. And Harkless was willing to get it up. He didn't get him. He didn't knock them down at a good rate, but Harkless's offense is his defense because it leads to stops are going to get more transition opportunities. The Kings are good in transition, bad in the half court. Same thing we've been hurting, hearing, and then they don't have enough creation so point being we heard the same issues same focused on by the coaching staff that would come out there after each one of these losses or you know seven of the eight and we also would be there very clearly noticing things that maybe they like they never came out and were like the half court offense is terrible but that's obviously the case you know we want to get in transition more often blah 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 um we just rolled over and died we got punked is wording we've heard and at some point blame had to get placed somewhere i thought it was placed too much on walton but walton is the one out and to go through walton's tenure a little bit by the way um i should have mentioned this earlier i did an instant reaction recording with Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins, the KHTK guys who do the Return of the Roar podcast. I was going to upload that on this feed as well, but it was right after the news was announced. We didn't know who the interim announcement was yet, and I got an email that there was going to be a Monty McNair press conference, so I kind of held off. took a little too long to get that up and decided to hold off, but like, there is instant reactions that I think covers a different aspect than what I am right now on their return of the roar podcast. And if you're not following again, Chris Watkins, Frank and Cardi Sully, definitely do that. I'm sure I'm going to have them on here soon. I should have mentioned that at the top, but just to get that out there. And I just, yeah, real quick, like Walton wasn't good. I think it goes deeper than Walton, but it's undeniable. Like Walton was not good. I mean, situation kind of complicated, but to focus on Walton, He has a 40.8% winning percentage throughout his entire career. His LA years, he played three, he coached three years in LA and two years in Sacramento, along with the 17 from this season. Throughout the games, he's coached Sacramento. They're sick. The team is 68 and 93, 42.2% win percentage, which, yeah, I mean, if, People like to throw out the number of his winning percentage compared to other Sacramento previous head coaches, but like what a low bar. Like I could care less, to be honest. That says nothing. And Walton is a player's coach. 
right? He, he's liked by the guys. Continuity is something that was preached a lot as a reason to bring him back. Um, like I said, the guys really liked him. They kind of, there were seemingly players that not exactly content with Jaeger style, who's like the polar opposite, right? If you want to simplify and say, one guy's a hard ass that's a motivator, but guys aren't going to like him all too much. You could say that's Jaeger. And then Walton would be the less of a motivator. I mean, he, he did do that, but it, his appeal was being a player's coach that somebody that was liked. And, you know, we, we heard like um, communication be an issue that Walton and some of the guys talked about post game in the last showing against Utah. And he's like, well, it's either you have one vocal anchor out there like a Draymond or everybody needs to be talking. The Kings obviously don't have a Draymond. Everybody does need to be talking more, but can that vocal guy be your coach? Maybe. Like, Jaeger worked. There was complications behind the scenes, the whole Brandon Williams thing, but Jaeger's style, if you, again, like oversimplify, right, in those two roles of what Walton is versus what Jaeger is, Jaeger's style worked better. Maybe the players liked Walton better, but like I'm sure the players like winning and like that when their contract comes up, they're contributing to winning basketball. So they're getting paid millions more each time. Like winning is what matters in this league. So NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 What? Now streaming. Shots! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. Moving on from Walton is just something you had to do. He wasn't impressive during his time here. If you have to make a pros and cons list, the pros is the guys liked him. And he gave Rashawn Holmes opportunity. I, I liked that Walton was willing to mess with rotations at times. Um, sometimes it was too much. Like I mentioned the Metu thing. I kind of understand why he had to try, but like, how many games it was not even 10 games into the first year that Deadman was here and Deadman signed a large contract for his position and, and who he was as a player. Like the idea was he was starting coming into this te team, not even 10 games in Luke Walton was like, we are starting Rashawn Holmes who was getting paid minimal money, especially in comparison to Deadman gave him opportunity and to any like, Oh, Holmes would have deserved or shown he deserved opportunity anywhere. Like he hadn't until that point. There were a lot of people saying, oh, he should get more minutes while he's in Phoenix or while he was in Philly, but it never happened. Like Walton did it, you know? But after that, I don't really know. Like lots of negatives, right? Misutilized. 
Buddy Heald specifically last season. I don't think Buddy's been particularly good this season. I know, like, talked to Tim and Greg on a recent episode. They disagreed. I do not think that he's been good this season. Um, Halliburton's role is kind of weird. It almost seems like there's a, I want Halliburton to be able to expand his game, but that means he's doing less of, I mean, my wording last year was great at capitalizing on an advantage, but not good at creating an advantage. And he's asked to do the latter right now, which is a better for the future, worse for the present. And when you're the Kings, I don't know how you balance that. And it kind of seems like they lean towards the present um, because halliburton has been bad. And then this inconsistency, which I think is a really big thing. Two nine-game losing streaks last year in a 72-game season. And then you start five and four, and all of a sudden you lose seven of your last next eight. Inconsistency. Luke was not good. They needed to move on from Luke. But Luke needed to probably needed to be moved on from last offseason. Like, Luke was part of the problem, seemed to be part of the problem, but is far from the only issue. The roster construction that I've talked about a couple different times, different aspects of how that's causing struggles is an issue. That's on Monty McNair. The lack of fire and like getting punked is partially on the players. The personalities of these guys to kind of just get pushed around sometimes and not fight back you know like you can't have your Tristan Thompson or Iman Shumpert being the vocal guy who's getting DNP sometimes like it's great to have that guy but his voice isn't carrying the same weight clearly I mean he had a great post-game conference after the Minnesota disappointment the end of a really bad road trip and it, it got picked up a lot by a lot of national outlets. It was well-known. It was getting talked about a shoot-around the next day, and it did nothing. Like, the team came out and got punked again. Um, so, like, they don't have a vocal leader when it comes to motivating the other guys around them, it seems, in those tough situations that is playing enough minutes for his voice to carry a weight out there in the same way. Um, and by the way, I, I don't worry. Uh, people got a lot of, are giving Fox a lot of crap. I, I was, I tweeted out his, um, I don't know. It's not that much pressure. It's not like we're in the playoffs or the finals comment or whatever. Like he doesn't care. Like, I think that is Fox caring. I get when I say the whole issue is this team lacks a energy, a fire, a motivator that like, you want to be like, okay, well, he's a $200 million guy. This is the guy on the team. Be that person. It might just not be his personality. It doesn't have to be that guy. Steph Curry's not that guy. They have a dream on green, though, that is. So, like, I don't know. Little slight tangent. I don't look at Fox when I'm like, this team needs more vocal energy leadership that's going to be infectious. I think Fox could, excuse my alarm there. I think Fox could help. Like, he could be better. It's not all on Fox, but it's partially on him and, and the rest of like the roster lacks that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to hear about the same problems over and over and over again. Alvin Gentry is now the guy stepping in. And I don't know how much that changes. It was Gentry's offense. Mike Longobardi is still here. 
it was his defense that we've seen this year. There was talk about Doug Christie getting consideration, which can I just say feels so stupid. Doug seems like a great guy. This is one of the things I talked about with Frankie and Chris, who have both worked with Doug. Um, and definitely, like I said, listen to their pod for their perspective on Doug in this situation. But I mean, anyone that I've talked to has had great impressions and interactions with Doug. Nothing bad I've heard said about Doug, but the, he's 17 games into his first coaching gig. Like, you want to hire another ex king, ex beloved Kings player to a big job? Either, you know, obviously talking about Vlade with the GM or and it would have been Christie with the head coach position to a job that they have practically no experience. It'd be a PR stunt. You're asking for that guy to slowly grow to be hated because you're putting him in a fit in a position where he is very likely to fail. Like that being reported does scare the crap out of me. Didn't happen. Doug is still on the roster. Again, nothing against Doug. He could have done well. It's just like that. Why was, I just don't understand why that was being considered. It seemed weird. Um, but he's still, on the, he's still on the staff. I'm very glad to have Doug on the staff. I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. And then the only other change aside from Gentry being promoted to interim is that Rico Hines is being promoted as well to a front of the bench assistant coach. Um, when Monty started to say, you know, there's one other, there is one other change and said Rico Hines is scared the crap out of me. I do not want to lose Rico, one of the best aspects of this coaching staff. Um, but no, that's not what's happening. He, he's getting promoted. So it's good to have Rico around. And on Gentry, we did see in the tweet from Woj that announced that, um, that Gentry is already under contract through 2022, 23, which does not mean under contract as a head coach, but under contract as a coach in Sacramento. Again, not necessarily head coach. Um, he gets a raise to take the interim job in agreement on some benchmarks of success for the rest of this season with the team to try and keep the job longer. You have to kind of assume that benchmark is the playoffs, right? And to be fair, if Gentry gets his team to, excuse me, gets his team to the playoffs, he probably deserves it. So, yeah, there's a chance Gentry sticks around longer. And, yeah, I just don't know, like, what is going to change? Walton needed to leave. It was, it needed to happen. But, like, I think you could have said that last offseason. And Monty McNair was like, no, this is this is who I want to stick with. In 17 games into the season, he's like, eh, it's not working. Like, I'm, I'm, it's not, he's not wrong, but, like, Did it could have been done last offseason? This is he's having these same issues. There's a chance a player could have a coach could have grown, right? Players grow and get better. Managers grow and get better. Anybody does in a new role. And maybe there was a thought Walton Wood there, but you're seeing the exact same mistakes. And there was a McNair presser today, like I talked about. And I kind of want to share some of the my main takeaways that I got from him talking. And I'll I'll start with just the opening statement that. McNair said when when he walked out and, and talked to the media today. After, uh, you know, a, a thorough evaluation of where we're at, um, I've decided to make a coaching change. Um, as you've seen, Coach Luke Walton has been relieved of his head coaching duties and Alvin Gentry will 
be our interim head coach. So with that, I'll take questions. Yeah, um, just just a very basic, I think it's almost the exact same thing we read in the press release, um, which I guess take that for what you will. But yeah, I mean, Monty had to face the press at this decision and the focus is going to start to get put on him now because Luke was the scapegoat, but Monty, the roster is not good enough. Um, but I could be wrong. And I think that the impression that Monty gave off was that he thinks the roster is talented enough. And I'll show you what gave off that impression. Yeah, I think we, we uh, at the beginning of the year, we were five and four. We, we thought we could be even better with how we had played. We didn't finish a few games there. Um, the last eight games have, have not been that. And, um, you know, that prompted the change. And I think we have the, the talent. Um, we've shown that we can to do that. And uh, so we're going to get back to that. And, and uh, Alvin's going to going to be the guy to lead us there. I mean, he's not wrong. They played well in those first nine games. I, you could say 10 games. But I don't know. Like, they have the talent for what? The 10 seed? Great. Great. Like, the plan didn't exist not long ago. If the plan didn't exist, are we really like, oh, they have the talent? For the eight spot? No. No. Like, I guess ignoring the fact that the plan exists might sound stupid, but the 10 seed is not an accomplishment. You make the playoffs, it's great. You end your drought. But all of a sudden, you just get swept in the first round, and it's like, do we actually feel that different? Like, maybe the fan base feels different. Maybe that, like, buys McNair more time, which, if that's what he's chasing for that reasoning, that's not a good thing. not saying that's the case, but who knows, right, at this point? But... It doesn't change getting swept, winning one game as the eight seed in the first round of the playoffs does nothing if you do not have a ceiling or a way to progress from that point. I don't see how this roster does that right now. Um, I think that it was nice that McNair gave a little bit of insight on what he thinks the recipe for success with this team is, at least a little bit. Like The question is, like, what is this team good at? And I think one thing we've been able to say is transition offense. It doesn't happen often enough when it's not happening. The team really struggles, but they have been really good at that. When you look at the numbers in that aspect and McNair thinks that um, they should try to make that happen as often as possible, which is something we've heard a few times, but this is McNair's words on that. Base business. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's more of what can we do to get this thing back on track? Uh, I think offensively, we, we've played fast at times. I want us to play even faster. I think we can be the fastest team in the league um, with De'Aaron, Tyrese, the rest of the guys that we have. Um, defensively, we've, we've shown some improvement, but we have to be able to finish possessions. We have to be able to get off the floor uh, on the defensive end and get, and get into the, to our offense. Um, and we have to finish games. You know, like I said, we were five and four, but felt like we could have even been better. Uh, and then during this one and seven stretch, we had a couple games that we let let slip through. So, um, you know, I think those are things we'll continue to focus on um, and that Alvin will uh, address along with his staff to the players. Finish possessions on defense. 
defensive rebounding, limiting opposing second chance points. Heard that a lot? Totally. Makes sense. Needs to be limited to an extent. We also heard finishing games, closing games. We've seen the team struggle with that, obviously, and and consistency falls under the same thing. But I think it's important that the very first thing he mentioned is that we want to play fast. We've played fast, but we want to play faster. I think we can be the fastest team in the league. And you, how you do that is you go small, which the roster that Monty has built is very small. He might believe that this team should be running three guards. It wouldn't be crazy to think that with the lineup that he has, with the roster that he has constructed, that's what this makes me think. That I think we should be the fastest team in the league. How do you do that? You have three guards. And that's going to make, you're just not going to be good at defensive rebounding. You have to not be horrific. You can't be losing games because you're not securing defensive rebounds and getting beat on second chance points by teams. Like it can't be horrific like it has been sometimes, but at least under like just you're going to be a little poor there, but we're going to make up for it by being a really fast team with our speed, some penetration ability, some offensive versatility by running Fox and Halliburton along with a Buddy or a Terrence Davis or a Davion Mitchell. And then you also see Harrison Barnes and probably Rashawn Holmes if you're talking for a most ideal lineup. Like the first thing that he points out is pace, that he want, he thinks they can be the fastest team in the league. And then he, you know, hints at the off- opposing offensive rebounds being an issue and uh, closing games and consistency. But the first thing he mentions is wanting, thinking the team can lead the league in pace. That's going to make your opposing offensive rebounds a little bit worse, but you need to like find an area of strength. And if it's going to be pace transition offense, I could see it. Right now, the Kings, after these 17 games that are in the book, are eighth in pace could be higher and I understand like the team is very good there so maybe that's what we're gonna see um but right now Alvin Gentry is the guy that's gonna be implementing that and I just don't feel confident that this there's gonna be much different right now you know the players should feel more fire under them but like they should have been feeling this pressure for a couple games now like why is it different now because maybe the blame is no longer all given to Luke, which was unfair, by the way. Like I said, Luke was an issue, but like Luke was getting so such a large percentage of the blame when really some of it should go to the players. So maybe that changes something for their mindset. But I think the way I want to close here is that this starts a lot of the blame publicly from the fan base and probably media going towards McNair more. Like I said, this is a poorly constructed roster. Maybe he believes that, you know, you should have been implementing all the guards I have more. I think you could be led to thought that from the whole, we can be the fastest team in the league. I mean, if he's saying that, like that's how those handful of guards would ideally work on the offensive end. So maybe that's something if we see the roster working that way, but I tend to believe this roster isn't talented enough. And Walton didn't optimize the roster that he has out there, but also this roster is not good enough. 
And now that Walton's not there as the one to take all the flack for McNair, McNair is going to start being criticized a lot more. And he should be. It's He hasn't really done it much of anything. Halliburton, he picked. And, you know, I understand the people that are... Halliburton was the obvious pick at 12. He made the pick, though. Great pick, right? Undeniably great pick. Davion Mitchell, still kind of uncertain, right? He started really hot. He had he got a lot of buzz nationally at, to start. A lot of good isolation defense against high-caliber guys. He was talked about a lot, obviously. Just won a national championship in his most recent season at Baylor when he was going into the draft. He's a guy that a lot of other NBA players know, so he got talked up a lot. And then you see this good isolation defense to start the year. It's kind of been pretty non-impactful since then. So maybe gets more run or in a little bit of a different role that's a faster-paced offense. Maybe that changes things. But I don't know. Davians, I'm not going to sit here and be like, wow, what a great pick by McNair. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know what else he's really done. Like Davis and Harkless, we're trying to figure out how McNair is as a GM. It doesn't have to do with Davis and Harkless. Like, those are fine value moves. That's not what the Kings need. But, I mean, if you want to talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich for Dante DiVincenzo, would have been great. Also, wouldn't have minded two second rounders that instead of just letting him walk for absolutely nothing. If Buddy Heald was traded for Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell, this roster would be a lot more balanced. So, it's weird, like two leaked trades where you're like, those would have been good deals, but I don't know how you're supposed to feel good about things that didn't actually happen. Like, mine's in the right place, but nothing's happening. McNair's done a lot of nothing, and the team can't just sit and do nothing. There's not necessarily, I'd say, wasted assets. Bogey would be the one. And... Barnes, you know, still is going to have value compared to what we saw last year. He's got this year and next year left. Like, Holmes signed a great contract, which is shocking that nobody else in the league was, seems like nobody else in the league was offering significantly more because Holmes deserved more than that. Um, Yeah, so while I can't sit here and be like, Monty's done a good job, I also can't really sit here and say he's done a bad job. He hasn't done anything, which is poor but it's not too late to do something. It's just the fingers need to start be pointed at him more often than they have been. Walton needed to be moved on from. Maybe that makes a bigger difference than I'm expecting, but these other guys on the coaching staff were still there. It's not like Walton. I would assume Walton was still speaking with them and taking their advice and on what they felt needed to be done I just don't know how different this coaching change is going to be. It feels like there needs to be more, but if McNair becomes desperate to make a move, which it's this weird line that I talk about with Chris and Frankie, a lot of like, he needs to be desperate, but like, what was the issue throughout the last decade with the Kings is that they are desperate and therefore make a poor move out of desperation that then just extends the, mediocrity we see for three more years or however long so 
counting down. McNair needs to make something happen. And, yeah, I mean, with how long you have a sitting and waiting for a move, it it, it better be a good one is, is all I'm going to say there. So we'll see how much this Walton change. Walton coming out and Gentry stepping in. By the way, Gentry has been a coach since 1988. This is his fourth time as an interim head coach. And in the 13 years he's been a head coach, he, not including those interim years, he only has three playoff appearances. Like, lack of playoff appearances is, yeah, a familiar feeling for a lot of people on this uh, coaching staff, team, organization. It's just a common common thread here so we'll see um the sacramento kings do have their next game against the philadelphia 76ers and then also another home game against the portland trailblazers and no ben simmons no joel Embiid. tobias harris is is questionable so i think how that ends up shaking out could uh it'll do a lot for like how fans feel about this change right if the kings come out and have two really well inspired hard fought games it's gonna be like oh this is the change that was needed maybe it was i'm skeptical that this is enough it needed to happen i think it's like wow turns out you should have moved on from the offseason when there were eight head coaching openings and a whole lot of candidates some of which turned out to be pretty good you want to look at wes unseld in washington like i'm udoka in boston started slow doing pretty well there's there's a handful of guys that have done well. There, there were a lot of guys available. And to throw a few names out, I guess, before I wrap up of potential guys maybe here next offseason, I haven't given it that much thought. I think, I'm sure I'm still going to forget some. Becky Hammond comes to mind. Um, there is definitely um, David Vanterpool. could hear Terry Stotts. Scott Brooks is a California guy. Yeah, I don't know. A few names that come to mind, but um, Walton change needed to happen. I thought it kind of already needed to happen. I hope that it makes a big difference, but I have trouble seeing that happening and think that more needs to change. So we'll see. Pressure is going to start getting pointed towards Monty McNair and maybe some of the players on this team, and it needs to at this point. So that's where we're at right now, and We'll see how the rest of the Sacramento Kings game goes. So listen to keep tabs on all of these episodes that will be coming out from Kings Pulse and take a look at the Kings Hero to support local independent Kings coverage. Uh, we always have a post on there for these episodes that you can comment in, give us any sort of recommendations, feedback, anything like that that, um, that you have for the show. And Obviously, read all the work at the Kings Herald. Take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.